Welcome to the latest episode of In The Flat Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Kill. Joined again this week by Jess Saban and Jordan Schultz. Uh, so this week, we're going to continue reviewing the best college football players available for the NFL draft. This week, we're really going to focus on those skill players, those wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, uh, which ones we think will have the most impact um, there on the next level. Uh, before we do that, um, let's dive into some the latest news happening in college football. There's been a bit this week, so we could dive into those. Um, all right, first, uh, big news came out yesterday that um, Cliff Clisberry um, joined USC as offensive analyst. It seems like he's going to be coaching quarterbacks. I don't know if it's me, but, man, is he even a good coach? Like, he he had um, – he, who do you have in, in college again? I, I'm blanking from Kansas City. Tell me, guys, help me. Patrick help me. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. He had Patrick Mahomes as Texas Tech, and they did nothing. They had a losing record. And then he went to Arizona. They did nothing. Uh, losing records. What does he actually – I mean, and everybody's, like, saying this is a great, great hire. He's going to be great for the quarterbacks. But is it, though? What, what do you guys think? Just what do you think of this hire? I mean, I don't know if he's a good coach. The whole reason he went from Texas Tech to the NFL the way he did was because he was supposed to be this like revolutionary offensive mind. And they did make the playoffs once in Arizona while he was there. Uh, I wouldn't exactly say he really progressed Kyler Murray, though, with everything that's come out of Arizona recently, you know, with his study habits, how he seems to rather be playing Call of Duty. You know, if that's actually the case, you can't put that on Kingsbury. But... I think this is a move. It was an excuse to get him in there. Another great, you know, or another great offensive mind, depending on how you view him. So I, I I mean, Caleb Williams, I think it's pretty well set, you know, how good he is and where he's going to be going in the draft bar, a massive injury or something. But I think it'll be interesting to see for, you know, moving forward, if he has any impact on their offensive strategies. I'm sure. Joel, what, what was your perspective on this hire? You think it's is it going to move the quarterback room or the offense in a, in a even better direction than what it is today? I I mean their offense is still is one of the best. I don't know why. I, I think they went in the they always keep going and it's been the same like story for USC, especially this last you know two years. They keep going and they stay with their offense for you know ways and but. It's not going to change anything. I think their offense is going to do what their offense does and play really well. But it's that defense, and it's going to be their defense holding them back until something else happens defensively. You know, getting trans- good transfers, getting a coach that can change that you know defensive atmosphere. But I, I definitely think this it was okay hire, but I don't think he really brings anything to the table that's already not there. I tend to agree. I, I mean, I wish they would have brought in more a defensive analyst in that can like help shape that defense because they obviously I think their quarterback. I mean, I thought if he's going to be coaching quarterbacks, what is Lincoln doing? I thought that was his his job is to be that quarterback whisperer. So a little interesting to see how that how that goes. Honestly, I think it probably would have been a better fit if he went to somewhere like Alabama, where you know he could study under um, a really good head coach. I'm not saying Lincoln Riley's not a really good head coach, but somebody that plays both sides of the of football and he can learn from and develop and get a future job with. I'm not sure this is going to help him in the long run because many people are probably going to ask, like, did you actually add value or is this is this Lincoln Riley's offense that you're helping to run? So 
Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the repeated news is Big Ten is expected to hire uh, former uh, Major League Baseball uh, TV exec Tony Petitti as the next commissioner. Um, I think this is going to be a good hire just because with all the different TV contracts and media rights deals coming up and if they add more members, what it's going to look like, things like that. And um, I think he's probably going to be a, a good overall hire. Honestly, for me, though, I, I would hire someone with more football experience but i you know maybe i'm overthinking that because a lot of the other leagues are now hiring folks are coming from the entertainment industry and other areas uh so maybe that's not as needed um but what do you guys think any any thoughts on, on this hire if it's going to be good or not no i i think it's a good hire i think where you know the coaches and, and you know you know whatever the members of the board or everything for the big 10 do a lot of the work already so the coaches come together and they, you know, talk. I think what, you know, the conferences need is someone that can help negotiate that, you know, and, and negotiate contracts with television and, you know, just different things like that. I think what commissioners were back then is not the same as they are now. They have a lot more to deal with with money in contracts for TV and also trying to figure out how to even do NIL which no one has figured out at all how to do NIL. So I think they're going in the right direction with someone that's not football related, but has been in the sport uh, industry and, and knows his way around things like that. No. Yeah, definitely. 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 to agree there. Uh, we'll see how he does. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes it, this is all about fit we'll see if he's a fit with those um, you know, different athletic directors and coaches in the league, as you mentioned. So um, I, I want to get to the biggest news of the week. I know you guys probably have a, a long, you know, you know, we're having a long conversation and a long remembrance here for this for this next topic. But uh, the Georgia mascot, Uga 10, is set to retire. Uga 11 already is being named with Boom to be um, collared, as they call him, at the, at the next ceremony this Saturday. Now, um, Jess, I know you were uh, pretty upset by the fact that they were not letting, um, you know, really celebrate Uga uh, 10 before they move on to Uga 11. So maybe share your thoughts and, and your feelings on this subject. He's the winningest mascot in Georgia history. I don't know how you just move off him like that. You know, it's, it's disrespectful of what it is. He was, yeah. yeah, it was disrespectful. He was a very, very good boy and. You know, I think they should have had some more, you know, like, just give us a week before you announce the next guy, you know, like, let us give us, give us our time. Let yeah, us celebrate him on Saturday and then, then hire, hire the next dog, like in the, in the you know, summer where nobody's paying attention, you. you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's just, Jordan, you got, got a different opinion here. Do you have any thoughts on our, on our, our old buddy, Elder 10 there in Georgia? No, I, I think... I, I'm with Jess. I think they should have waited a little bit. Maybe you know, hire an interim dog to be the mascot for a little bit. <laughs> an just interim to, mascot. Just, just so the morale's not down. I think that's what Maybe. they're trying to do. It seemed like they already had something in mind when they, when they, they, they hired this, this other dog so quickly. I mean, what, a, what, a, what a shame. Should have let them retire on his own terms. I think exactly. he is. I think he is. I think he, you know, he's retiring on his own terms. He might, you know, get his hip replaced, something. You know, he's getting old. So, something might happen here. Yeah, well, you're always going to be a good boy in our heart, Uga 10. So we'll, we'll be there with you in spirit. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Uh, other less important news, obviously. Um, ACC uh, commissioner and um, their commissioner Jim Phillips have agreed to a contract extension. Uh, he was actually entering Phillips entering his third season at the helm after a really long tenure at Northwestern. Um, you know, this is really tedious time for for ACC as their current grant of rights uh, contract is tied for 2035. And so, you know, I think his goal here is to try to get this team more money for they can stay stay with the Big Ten SEC and they don't fall apart and their teams leave their conference. So um, it's going to be interesting to watch in the next few years how how Jim Phillips does and how he navigates that. Um, I think a, a pretty big piece of news this kind of just came out today is Ohio State quarterback who is vying for the job, Devin Brown, is out for the spring game um, this weekend after a finger surgery. Um, so that quarterback battle really remains unsettled with him in a close battle with um, Kyle McCord. We call McCord is right now the favorite, but nobody's really pulled away yet. And, you know, as I kind of re before we get to the preview later on this year of Ohio State, this is my thought on them is they have a chance to be pretty good, but it's really going to come down to if their quarterbacks can play like they have the last few years. I'm a little worried just because I don't know if either one of these guys can be that dynamic quarterback like a CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, you know, so on and so on were. Um, but what do you guys think of Ohio State so far for what you maybe seen in practices or anything like that? Jordan, do you think um, do you think they have the quarterback on there that can take them to the playoffs again and either Devin Brown or Kyle McCord? No, I don't think so. I, I, like you said, they, the dy- dynamic quarterbacks that they've had the last couple of years, they're not one of them, but they still have those receivers. They still have those skill guys that kind of can elevate that offense enough um, and make it you know, where it's been, um, <clears throat> I'm still not sold on their defense. And that's, that's the biggest thing for me is I don't, it, their offense can be their offense, but you know, you got to have that defense and that's really not Ohio state, especially the last two years. And that's why we've seen them lose to Michigan the last two years. No, agreed. Jess, what do you, what do you, do you agree? I'm actually a little more down on Ohio state. If they don't, have the quarterback figured out, I think they could lose not just to Michigan, but to Penn State. If Penn State is able to live up to their preseason hype, you know, we've been saying that they're probably going to end up in that same tier where it's like they only lose to Ohio State and Michigan, uh, finish somewhere around the top 10, you know, probably in that 8 to 12 range, and then get a good bowl. But if Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback, you know, I don't see them losing to Rutgers or Maryland or something like that. Like, I don't see that happening. But if if their quarterback, because I don't know how great they're, you know, we, we have our doubts about their defense. And they've gone from, what, Haskins to Field to Stroud, all, you know, first-round level quarterbacks. And that's kind of how they've owned the Big Ten. They've had, like, the best quarterbacks, the best wide receivers. They've always got a decent offensive line. So if that takes them down even like one tier, then I think they could end up with, you know, I mean, God forbid, two losses. But, you know, for where we expect them to be, that could be big. Definitely. And, you know, I, I do feel like you're you're missing something on the schedule there um, for Ohio State. Um they are playing their Dame third game of the season as well. That you, you conveniently left out, but we'll, we'll let that slide. Well, hey, you don't no, really I mean, think if, Ohio, if Notre Dame lives up to expectations and Ohio State doesn't have the quarterback figured out, 
God. Oh, my God. Three losses for Ohio State? End of the world. End of the world. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Speaking of the quarterback play, I, I find it interesting that today. Um, I was watching the practice from Notre Dame. It seems like Tyler Buckner is outperforming Sam Hartman so far in, in practice. So something to monitor. I don't think they would – they would not start Sam Hartman just because they probably paid him an NIL deal to come over. But um, it's just something interesting. Like you, you feel like you know where something's going. I mean, maybe you don't. So I'm interested to watch that as well. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of Ohio State, though, they, they also had a uh, – they've had a lot of signings lately. Um, they've had a lot of – I think a wide receiver, a couple wide, uh, a couple top wide receivers, a top-tier running back. But I, the one I wanted to point out this week was they were able to sign a four-star defensive player, which you know it seems like they've been really training a lot of offensive side, and then they've been kind of striking out a bit on some of their defensive players. But they got a four-star 2024 linebacker Peyton Pierce out of Texas. Um, he he basically was ready to commit to James Laurinaitis, the um, the um, one of the analysts there for Ohio State. He used to be the linebacker coach at Notre Dame, and. He was very close to committing Notre Dame, and James Arnold went to Ohio State, and he kind of followed him over there. I think it's a good pickup. He's a top 150 player. Um, I don't know if he's a dynamic um, game changer that they need on defense, but he's a start, a good solid player that could play, you know, every down type of linebacker. I, I have a feeling so that's a good pickup for them. Um, other bit of news is the assault charges against um, ex-Nebraska intern coach Mickey Joseph have been dismissed. Uh, mainly due to the fact that the woman he assaulted was refusing to testify, which I believe it was his wife, if I, if I recall correctly. And so, um, again, met mess situation there. Let's hope they can get their the life situation settled out there. Um, okay, last bit of news here is to talk about um, notable spring games this weekend. Um, so this is some of the ones I want to call out, and maybe you guys could tell me um, which ones you're you're most looking forward to. So you have Clemson, which is going to be a brand, hope, maybe brand-new offense there. Um Florida State, which is coming up with a lot of expectations. Michigan State, which you're going to see if they can recover from last year's diet, you know, terrible season. Uh, and then you have Ohio State, Penn State, you know, from the cream of the crop of the Big Ten. Um, Cincinnati with a brand new head coach. Texas, um, see if a little bit of Arch Manning maybe. USC, see if they, you know, how that defense is looking. Georgia, you know, see if they're going for their, their three peat starts on this spring game. And then Texas A&M, see if there's still this bunch of chaos happening there. So, of all those games happening, there's obviously a lot more. So if you want to name another one, which which um, sorry, you Jordan, which one are you looking forward to the most for this weekend? What do you want to see, like how the team is performing? Um, I mean, going through the you know, if you just a couple of the games, you know, Ohio State, you already named, like you know, you watch the spring game. If you're gonna watch the spring game, then you want to. If there's a quarterback battle, but Ohio State with the injury now, there's no. Real quarterback battle. Um, I think the biggest game for me, you know, is Texas. I want to see Arch and see how he's doing. But Penn State, um, I, I really think I want to know if those expectations everybody has for Penn State this year is what Penn State's going to live up to. And I want to kind of want to look at, you know, see their quarterback some more because, um, you know, the person they everybody thinks is going to start had really high expectations going or have high expectations going this year. And a lot of people are really excited for him to play. So um, those are the two, I, I think, you know, if you go to the other ones, it's, you know, Georgia, they're just reloading. We're, we're going to see uh, the same I'm interested on their quarterback though. Cause I mean, to have a brand new quarterback, I want to see who wins that job and, and how they actually do. Cause you know, before 
Stetson Bennett got there, Georgia had a really big quarterback problem for Kirby Smart. So I'm interested to see how he does with an actual four or five star quarterback. You know. Yeah, and but besides that, it's going to be they reloaded, and we're going to see different names in the same positions we've been seeing, and they're going to be the same as what we have seen. How about you, Jess? Uh, honestly, for me, might very well be Georgia if for no other reason than I think they could be losing like four of their starting offensive linemen this year to the draft. Um, and the way that Georgia has dominated these past few years is a lot in the trenches. You know, obviously that defense I feel is going to be a lot of plug and play, but you know, the whole idea of for Georgia this year is that they have to three-peat. Like, or that's the goal. That's the expectation. I think most people have them as number one going into the year. Um, but if they don't have the trenches figured out, again, I don't, you know, LSU we're all expecting to kind of take step forward. Uh, Tennessee, they've gotten some nice recruits. See if they can continue what, you know, they really, you know, build off of this last year. And of course, Alabama, we all just expect to just kind of reload and get back to it. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see, you know, if they lose all these offensive linemen and who's going to be the new quarterback, you know, what's going to be going on there and are they going to be able to continue keeping up with the top dogs? Because one thing Alabama's never really lacked was, you know, it seems like they go from one quarterback to the next. And even if those guys don't necessarily translate in the NFL, seems like they've always got a guy who can dominate college. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Georgia moves forward here. No, I agree. I, I'm interested to see that as well. I really want to see how that quarterback room plays for Georgia. I want to see um, Drew Aller for Penn State, as you mentioned, Jordan. Yeah. I, I um you know, I think that's what Penn State's been missing is that dynamic quarterback. Everybody says they think that's who who he can be. So if he is, that's going to be that's going to change the game a little bit in the Big Ten. It's going to make a little more of a battle at uh, the top there. Um, as we mentioned about Ohio State, I'm interested in how that defense looks too because they made some improvements last year and he looked good. But I also interested to see like are they going to keep keep improving or are they going to still give it up those big plays as they did last year? Um, Clemson, as I mentioned, I really want to see how their offense looks. Is it approved? Is how's K. Klubnick in that? Um, you know, how's he with the full you know spring under his under his belt as a starter? How does he look? Things like that. So yeah, those will be my my favorite as well. So we'll call talk a little bit about those next week. Um, see how the results are and see what we can get out of those. Um, now let's jump into um, some of the upcoming um, upcoming NFL draft this week. Obviously, we're going to talk about the top skill players. Uh, so we can um, let's kick it off with the the top wide receivers coming up for the NFL draft. So there's a lot of big names out there, like a Quentin Johnson, like a Jackson Smith, and they like Jordan Addison, those types. Uh, but which ones, you know, which one stands up to you as you know, somebody that can be the most dynamic coming into the NFL? We'll start with you, Jess. Who who do you got? Who you got pegged as that um as that guy? So it's it's kind of interesting this year, being that there isn't really anybody who's being projected as that number one kind of bona fide superstar wide receiver. I think most people in some order have the top five as Johnston, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, then Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and then it's like there's a noticeable drop-off. For me, 
I think I'm going to be going at my number one. I think I'm going to have Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's a little... I wasn't as high on him going into the offseason. But, you know, after everything I've read, everything I've watched, I think he can kind of be like Devontae Smith. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he can play outside if necessary, but he's going to excel in the slot. Phenomenal route runner. He's not some super mega athlete, but his short area quickness will get separation, will allow him to make plays after the catch. And he's not small either. He's about six feet, about 200 pounds. You know, probably going to want him to put a little more muscle on. If for no other reason than, you know, NFL, bigger, faster guys consistently helps avoid injury. But I think I have uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma as my number one. Everybody from Ohio State has been saying, you know, even last year when they had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, then you have Marvin Harrison waiting in the back. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigga was the best guy last year. He's had some injury issues this year. I think he only played like three games, but, you know, he's had plenty of time to recover, and I have faith that he's going to be able to do what he needs to do. All right. Jordan, who's standing out to you? Who's that guy? If you are if you don't pick Jackson Smith, obviously – Who's who's the other guy that you want to pick? You know, see, I don't want to. You know, we all seen every you know the big, big three like Jeff said, Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jordan Addison. So I'm gonna um, highlight uh, Zay Flowers. I, I think for he, he's probably, I, I probably fourth in my book. You know, he could squeeze in the third if you want to, but. Um, the biggest limitation, I'm going to start with that, is the limitation is that he's his size is small. But, yeah. you know, we've seen several really good route running receivers at that size that in the NFL, you know, Hunter Renfro, um, Cooper Cup, they're not big guys, but they can run those routes and they have that speed and that, you know, you know, if you go down the line of all these shorter guys that aren't huge but great route runners have good speed the list right now could you know is pretty long and so i think with his speed athleticism um and just route running he can contribute pretty early to a team just even if it's just those short plays um what i've been reading on him he's like he's really team is his what he wants so even if it's just creating the distraction running down the middle of the field um, for another guy, he doesn't care. And, uh, uh, yeah, Zay Flowers is my guy. I, I think he'll not make the biggest impact like the top three, but he will be a consistent starter and can put those numbers up like Cooper Cup, you know, Hunter Renfro, even Danny Amadola back in the day. So that's my guy. I like Zay Flowers. I, I You know, I think he was hampered a lot too in Boston College with the uh, – they just had terrible offensive line and terrible defense, and it just always, you know, put him in a really bad position. He could have left Witt to other places too, and he stick it out there and try to make it for his teammates. Um, so I, I really like what he was able to get the ball in open field. He was really explosive, so that's a good, good call there too. Uh, my guy is Jalen Hyatt. I really, uh, he just obviously Tennessee had one of the best, not the best offense last year. He was one of the reasons for it. 
the guy is just fast. I mean, I think he can be just about any cornerback already in NFL. I think his, his, one of his last recorded 40s was a 4.31 40-yard dash um, with a 34-inch vertical. And, um, yeah, he's just fast. He can, he can um, you know, jump out of the gym. You know, he's probably even faster now if there's off-season workouts. I really think he can go in and dominate in the NFL. I think he has that kind of athleticism if he has the right quarterback to get him the ball in the open field. Um, he's really – I really like about him. He's really quick up the line. He, you know, he doesn't drop the ball a lot. He, you know, he does a lot of things to help his quarterback, so I like that. Um, you know, the only worry would be he only has really one year of that kind of tape, uh, putting up elite numbers as, you know, obviously Tennessee was a little bit of a train wreck before – um, last year, and they really kind of got it going. So you have to wonder, was it just one of those kind of one-year wonders? Is it a system thing? But if you put all those um, measurables out there on top of his performance last year, I would be um, pretty happy to go with him and, and you know for my team for, for next year. So, uh, so that's Jalen Hyatt. Um, let's jump into the um, tight ends next. Um, so we're, we're talking about the top tight ends. There's obviously a lot of names out there. I mean, there's one obvious name, right? But, um, you know, there's um, Michael Mayer, uh, Dalton Kikade, Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave. So a lot of good tight ends. I would say tight ends probably deeper than wide receivers in some regards as far as the top ten, top level talent. Um, so, pass review, Jess, who you got if you're picking – you have your pick of any of these tight ends. Who are you picking? There's well, a wrong answer. <laughs> Um, so i personally would have mayor as my number one um most draft boards i've seen have kincaid number one and i'm gonna let you guys discuss uh that because i'm gonna highlight uh sam laporta out of iowa uh because he was and i would say this even more so than mayor he was the focus of Iowa's offense. And we uh, we know how bad they were. Like Iowa was a terrible offensive team, but everything ran through him. And he actually was pretty solid this year, especially considering what he had around him. He still managed uh 648 yards. He had 58 receptions on 90 targets. He had a touchdown. I definitely see him being a day 2 guy. I think the only tight ends that are going to be day ones are um, Mayer and Kincaid, maybe Washington, you know, out of Georgia, because some team falls in love with his ridiculous size and strength. Um, But Sam Laporta, I think if he goes to a team where he's maybe not the number one tight end on the board, but is like they run a lot of multiple tight end sets he can he doesn't have to focus too much on run blocking which was not his strength. I think he measured out to about a 53 run block grade. You know, not horrendous for a tight end, but not good either. So, I think some team is going to get a lot of value with him and I think he can develop into being one of the top receiving threats as a tight end. I don't think he's ever going to be some terrific blocker. I think at best he's going to become serviceable. He needs to work a bit on his uh, route running, but overall I think he is dynamic after the catch and he's going to be a great value day two pick for some team. All right. Jordan, who you got? Who's your guy? 
I just want to throw this out here there. Um, just looking at our agenda, uh, just did put Dalton Kincaid first over Michael Mayer. It, I was um, going off just, of the draft just, board. I was going, going in there. off of the draft boards. <laughs> it is noted. It's noted in the file for when we talk to Jess. I, I'm going to talk about street. Michael Mayer, unless Tony, you have him listed. Yeah, um, you got him. You got him. Talk about. So, um, my, I think he's number one this year in the draft for tight ends. Um, I definitely could see him maybe squeaking in late. I think he would be a more diverse uh, receiver. Um, kind of gives vibes of a, you know, Travis Kelsey, Tony Gonzalez kind of receiver. Has the good routes. Big not, phrase. Big phrase there, Jordan. Uh, what? I, I know I'm not saying guy, in the NFL. I'm not saying in the NFL. He's not hasn't played in the NFL. Gosh, Jess. <laughs> I didn't say he was. I'm saying type of receiver. He's really good at with movement. Um, he's a good blocker. I, I think he's you know his route running's really good. Uh, route running trees ha- has a really big route running tree, and it's not just because I'm a Notre Dame fan, but you know, really, he's going to be that target. You know, we're going to see if he gets drafted to a team that doesn't have a huge depth a receiver or less known receivers. Like I, I just kind of compare him to a Travis Kelsey right now, because if he gets on that type of team, he can exploit offenses or defenses and, and do what Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey do no all, all the time. And I think Michael Mayer is going to be that guy that if he gets in that right situation and that right place, I, I think he can, be a long, have a long career at tight end, but it's just going to depend on where he gets drafted and how they use him because he's not a, I mean, most of these tight ends right now are not traditional tight ends that we, you know, you hear about back in the day where they block 90% of the time and catch the, they, they catch the ball like four times yeah. a season. Uh, these tight ends are bigger, faster, you know, have really good hands and, and I think Michael Mayer has that more of all around can block can catch than most of the tight ends um, in this draft. So that is my guy, Michael Mayer. Before we move on, Tony, I, I, I hate to interrupt, but you guys are the Notre Dame fans here. What team would you most like to see Mayer get drafted to? Because I've seen a lot of people mocking him to like Green Bay or Tampa, you know, teams that just kind of need any receiving weapon. I love them to go somewhere that has a quarterback, and those two don't seem to have a quarterback. So um, Hmm. I don't know. Um, I would love to have, obviously, to use a tight end as, you know, as a prominent weapon. Like, like a New England where they used to use the tight end quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I would love to see him somewhere there where they're going to utilize his skill as a blocker and also as a catcher. I mean, I would love to see him in New England. Um, this is a selfishly, I think he will get the mo- most play there. Uh, but there's obviously other areas that use a tight end. I, but I, I think for those, like Tampa does okay with the tight end. But again, I'm just not sure about their quarterback situation. I don't know, you, Jordan, what do you, what do you, do you think there's a good, good landing spot for him out there? Honestly, um, It'd be just hard right now. There's not a lot of uh, – there's a lot of good tight ends out there right now that really have shown. So, just in my eyes, it'd be hard. I think the one team that comes to mind just because they lost their tight end to Jess's favorite team, uh, the Raiders, 
I, I think the Raiders might <laughs> big blue. <laughs> so might might want to get someone like that, you know, in there on their offense they can just have because I think you know Darren Waller last you know the last couple of years has had outstanding seasons and I think he can fit well with that offensive scheme because he's you know who the head coach is there. Yeah, I also feel like a Baltimore, you know, right? Like likes to run the ball a lot and um he, he used their utilize their tight ends. I think he could be a good athletic tight end addition for them. I know they have some tight ends already, but I think he'd be a good addition to kind of learn from and eventually take over that spot as well. Interesting place if they had a first round pick this year, but they don't. Miami. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Miami. You know, the pressure wouldn't be on him to be like the number one weapon immediately. You still have Waddle and Hill. Uh, but he could be like that short intermediate route check down safety net yeah, for Tua. I, what I I could see, and it depends on how far he drops. Um, if it's in the second round, I could see the Chiefs somehow sliding in there and getting him. That'd be interesting because Travis Kelsey is also is thirty three. He's you know they they are really their offense is really good yeah, with yeah. having other players get in. I mean, so I could see him fitting well there and then also learning a lot from Travis Kelsey and becoming probably the new Travis Kelsey once Travis Kelsey retires. Yeah. Well, let's just see where he goes. Um, I guess that leaves me. I'm going to obviously I'll go with Dalton Kincaid. I, even though I, you know, I jokingly said there was no branch. I, I do like Dalton Kincaid as a, as a pass catchy tight end where I feel like, Duncan Cage struggles is the blocking. He's he's not a strong blocker. He plays more as a uh, more of an athletic, you know, bulky wide receiver than he does a tight end. And so I think he might struggle if he's put in a position where he needs to block or play off the line. I don't think he'll do a good job of that. Um, but I think he'd get out and catch the ball, you know, in coverage. I think he's really good at that that regard. I, I do like his background though. I don't know if you guys know. He he started out in San Diego. Um, for a couple years, because um, he went really to play basketball. Football wasn't his first love; it was basketball. Uh, he really wasn't catching on with basketball, so he ended up, you know, playing football for a couple years in San Diego. Played okay, got to Utah, and he got really developed into a really good tight end there for Utah and a nice physical Utah team over the last couple years. Um, you know, I think he he definitely, you know, like I said, definitely can catch the ball. I think last year he for Utah had seventy receptions for like eight or ninety yards. That's this insane. For a year, I think him and Mayer were some of the top two in those regards. Um, like I said, he's a basketball player, so he knows how to spot the ball. And I think if you've seen a lot of successful tight ends in the NFL, it's because of that basketball background where they can go up and get that ball. So I think that that is a, a big piece there. Um, he's able to run for some hard tackles and and you know get that extra yardage, which I think will be helpful in the NFL. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think he his struggles will be both a run and pass blocker. If he wants to get out on the field more, he needs to be able to do both. I don't think he can do it yet. So that would be my concerns with him because I think his use in Utah was much different than Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer had the block to get on the field at Notre Dame. So that was a natural thing for him to do to take to the NFL, which I don't think Dalton Kincaid has at this point anyway. Um, all right. Final um, section for today would be the top running backs for the NFL draft. Um, so there's some um, you know good ones out there. You got the John Robertson. You got Jamar Gibbs um, and the rest out there. So, uh, sorry, you Jordan. Who do you got? Who's your um, you look at the list of um, available running backs out there? Who's somebody that's jumping off the board at you? Uh, Jamar Gibbs um, from Alabama. 
I would say Bijan. I know Bijan Robinson's probably going to go first running back out, but I definitely think if a team is looking for that second, you know, running back for their team that can, you know, has really good hands. I think that's the biggest thing that Jamar Gibbs is is, is bringing to a team is that he probably he more than likely has one of the best hands for a running back, especially in this draft. Um, and he had, if you just watch his film, he, he's a really good playmaker, both running and catching the ball, uh, especially playing, you know, the big SEC schools. Um, and so, and, but I don't think he's that running back um, that he will start and be that guy for a team. I think he'll be the, you know, there's multiple teams that run those two running back sets. You know, you have that running back that comes out for certain plays. I think that's what he's going to be. He's going to be, a, a, you know, second, third down running back more often in, in the NFL just because he has those hands that when he has to, if he they do run a pass, he can um, be able to catch the ball. I, I think the biggest downfall for him is, you know, his size. He's kind of a smaller guy. He's, he's only um, 199 pounds. I, I think that really hinders, especially with these, you know, bigger and bigger defensive linemen we're seeing. Um, so, but Jamar Gibbs is probably my second in this draft class for running backs, but a really kind of far, far second from B. John Robinson. All right, Jess. So, would you go yeah, with the John Robinson first if you have the first pick for a running back? Well, I don't think any running back is ever going to be drafted in the – Well, not first pick, but I'm just like – Yeah, I mean, in terms of the first running back off the board, I think it is undisputably Bijan Robinson. The, in fact, I would say he's going to be the only running back that goes in the first round this year. Like, I don't think any other running back is even going to be considered. And even then with Bijan, you know, with how running backs are viewed these days – if he if Philly doesn't take him at 10, I think he falls into the 20s. Like I don't see any team in the in the teens taking a running back. Uh maybe like the only teams I could think of maybe Cincinnati if Joe Mixon's gone. Um maybe the Bills if they want to add another running threat. But uh, you know, everybody knows about Bijan. Uh, the running back I want to highlight is Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. He is one of the most solid, well-rounded running backs in this draft. He doesn't have any, so, you know, phenomenal speed. He's not King Henry big. He's nothing like that. He's a solid three-down running back. He can run between the tackles. He needs to work a bit on his decisiveness there. He's hard to take down. He's got solid speed. He's not going to be really running away from guys, but because of his size and strength, you know, he is a little above average. I'd say about six feet. He's over 200 pounds. He's going to be harder to bring down. He knows how to use his body. He's a, 
I would say solid threat out, you know, out of the backfield as a receiver. I mean, he's no Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley type where, you know, that he's going to get, you know, 60 to 80 catches a year out of the backfield and 12 receiving touchdowns. But some team in the second, back of the second, early third, you know, you put in behind even a halfway decent offensive line. I think he's going to be one of those guys that, Really valuable, really solid. Happy to have him on your team, and you're going to be more than happy to have him for the next four years. My main concern for him is the main issue with running backs, plenty of running backs these days. He's got a lot of carries under his belt. Uh, He's a little on the older side. I'm trying to find his age here, but he is a senior, so he's probably already close to 21, 22 years old, and you know, he's got uh here, let me pull up the number here. Where is it? Oh, he's had 640 career touches already. That's a lot. Teams don't really love that, but a team I would have loved to see him have, except they barely got any picks and they shouldn't use one on a run back, Carolina. You know, if they can get him in the third round as a solid running back out of the backfield to help out whatever you know, rookie quarterbacks in there. I think that could have been interesting, but uh, yeah, that's my guy. Okay. All right. Uh, good. Well, I, 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 I've got another guy at the running back position, but uh, <laughs> I have a guy who's not on anybody's radar for the running back position. I'm just going to throw him out now because I, I'm a big fan of his and that's um, Kaylan Laborn from Marshall. Um, he had all, close to 1,500 yards last year. Um, he had a dominant. He was a, a high four-star out of high school. He signed with Florida State, um, ended up transferring to Marshall, and he played um, really excellent. So, like I said, 1,445 yards on 282 carries, 17 receptions for 122 yards, so he can catch the ball in the backfield. I remember him because he ran all over Notre Dame when, when Marshall played him. So I kept my eye on him, and he was – just a really dynamic player, and I feel like in the right system, behind a strong offensive line, he could be a really dominant player um, in the NFL. He has pretty good hype for a running back at, at 5'11", 198 yards. Um, and I just I liked him in high school. I liked him even more in Marshall. I just think he could be a dominant player uh, right out the gate. I think he can, like I said, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, he could turn the, turn the quarter and just hit the gas and take off. Um, and, you know, I think his weakness is more of this maybe being a pass blocker a bit, which some some running backs have. But I feel like overall he's not being talked about enough. But if I'm if I'm drafting someone and I need a running back, I would wait until this guy is a, you know second third round and just steal him away for someone else and, and have a, a I think a running back set for the next five to ten years. So that's my guy, uh, killing the born there. All right, one last um, round here of sleepers. Uh, Jess, who's your sleeper? You have any skill position you want, just get, name me a sleeper. So I got to give love to my alma mater. Uh, oh, I'm going Lord. with Keaton Mitchell, mm. running back, ECU. <laughs> Guy's a speed demon. He's he's had over 1,000 yards each of the last two years. He averaged 7.2 yards per carry this year. Uh, he amassed 1,452 yards, 14 touchdowns. Contributed a bit in the receiving game, not a ton, but he added another 252 yards through the air. 
add another touchdown there. So 15 total touchdowns had his longest run went for 81 yards. He's a burner. He is, he's going to be a dynamic weapon. The only issue for him is he's a little undersized. He's a small guy. He's five, eight, five, nine, you know, uh, so he's going to need to add a little bit of muscle if he's going to be able to withstand, you know, some of the hits at the NFL level. But got to give love to my to my man Keaton Mitchell. All right, Jordan, who you give love to? Oh, this is a, this is a far fetched sleeper here, but pro- probably one of the taller wide receivers in this draft class, um, At Perry um, from Wake Forest. I, I think if some teams looking for an X. Um, He'll be that. He's that guy. Has a uh, <clears throat> most touchdown, or he averages twenty three point zero yards a touch. Uh, that like yards downfield for his touchdowns. Um, it just I, I think that's the biggest thing a lot of teams need more than these small guys, and I think this draft class for a receiver, um. It's hard to find that tall X receiver, and I think A.T. Perry can fill that you know spot. Tall, uh, has speed, and you know usually tall receivers have that stiffness and lankiness that they seem just awkward on the field. Um, he doesn't really have that. I think the biggest draw, like not draw, biggest you know thing that's holding him down is his route. You know, tree is kind of small. Um, he needs to expand that. He's more of a he has that speed where you send him on a go route, he's going to get past his guy more often than not. Um, and I think that's going to be really good at opening up things for a lot more players on the field. Um, but other than that, you can't really count on him to be able to run more than just that go route, especially just right now. But A.T. A. Perry, just because he's probably the tallest guy. All right. A.T. Perry, of course. You know, Sam Harmon and him had a really good connection there, and uh, so they should see if he gets connected with another quarterback and get him that the deep deep threat there. I think, um, you know, get the right situation. I think he could be dangerous. So since Jess talked about his alma mater, I'm going to go to my alma mater in Purdue and talk about Charlie Jones. Um, my man came from um, Northwestern, I believe, um, or Iowa. I can't. It was Iowa. Yeah, and he had 110 catches last year. 110 catches last year. For 1,361 yards, averaging 12 yards a carry. And guess what? He did a four-point, I think, 4-3-40. So they didn't think he had speed. He had speed. He was really great as a, as just a special teams player with, with the kickoff and punt returns. Um, he's just – only had six drops his whole career, four years at um, in college, only had six total drops. So he definitely holds on to the ball. He's undersized. He's 5'11", but I feel like he can make a roster. He could he can produce some special teams, and I think you know he could be a really good deep threat for uh, for a team that's looking for a deep threat. Like for example, you put him on Kansas City with a bunch of other players, and you have to play him one on one. I think he can get loose and get out there and catch the ball, um, be it be a explosive player. So that's my guy, uh, Charlie Jones. That's my um, my pick as a sleeper. We'll see him in the future NFL Hall of Fame, and I'll, I'll remember oh, this moment when I call him out. But um, but um, but with that, we have wrapped up our, our preview for this week, guys. We'll keep continuing that next week, leading up to the NFL draft. Um, in the meantime, if you um have any questions, want to, want to send us some mailbag questions, want us to focus on any topics, please feel free to reach out to us at in the flat pod um, on Twitter, in the flat podcast.com on our website. 
And until then, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.